when I had dinner with Damon John a few weeks ago, he talked to me about building your umbrella when you don't need it. And he was talking about the opportunity to keep great relationships and create relationships with no intention of asking for anything, but you never know when you might need to make the phone call and just fostering goodwill all over the place. Well, what if we did that and then we had so many people that felt like we had such a big impact on their world that they wanted to carry us to our final resting place. And that for me, I think is the epitome of having a huge legacy. And what if it was an honor for somebody to be able to have that opportunity? How would you have to live in order to create that? This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I am back with my coach, mentor, Matt Halloran. And we are going to go down the rabbit hole, ladies and gentlemen. We're popping red pills today. So if you don't have a pen and a pad, you might want to get it out or open up that note section on your phone. Matt, how are you on this beautiful morning? I am well, sir. It is, you know, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. This is the holiday season where there's almost a hundred different holidays that are celebrated within this next 45 day period. And I love this time of year. And I really love what we're going to be diving into today because I think this is really the next phase of the Jerome-ness that is being brought out into the world. And it's something that I'm really proud of what you've created here. And I'm really excited to talk to you about it. The Jerome-ness, uh, that's an adjective, ladies and gentlemen. It is, it is. It's funny, man. I'll hear a client say, I heard my inner Jerome today and it came out. I was like, well, I don't know what that means, but hopefully you got what you wanted. So. <laughs> This is good, man. So where are we going first? So, okay. So, so we talked about, you know, everything that we're talking about really is this exit paradox, right? So as a founder, when you're leaving your business, there's, there's a major event that everybody seems to focus on, which gets you to the point of getting that really big check. And then you cash the check. I'm cashing air quoting. You cash the check, right? And then there are massive levels of crickets. And we talked a little bit about that in, in episode one of this two-part, potentially three-part series that you and I are going to be doing together. We're going to talk today about what's next. And, and next is an acronym. And so let's go ahead and dive into what the acronym is. And then I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions to help you, you know, elaborate and expound on each of these different N-E-X-T. So hit it. Yeah, so next stands for Nourish, Evaluate, explore and transcend nourish right. evaluate explore and transcend and yeah we got cute we dropped the e or the e is silent on explore right why is it that well i think one many people come to me and it's like i don't know what's next i'm trying to figure out what's next and we've decided to adopt the thought of we want to help you find your next 
And it could be your next career. It could be your next venture. You can pick whatever you want, but at the end of the day, your next is what's most important, especially when you're getting ready to leave something. We believe in this concept of exits or new beginnings, but if you don't know what you're beginning, how could you possibly have a new start? And I don't think most people are considering that. They're just trying to finish the thing that they're working on. And so we're trying to help people move to that next space so that they have something to look forward to instead of only having the feelings of leaving something behind. One of the reasons why I was so excited about working with you on this whole project is because, you know, as a person who's coached in, I know you have two financial advisors for so many years, advisors are always working to people, working to get people to retirement, right? Which is part of this whole next process, right? You know, a lot of them are business owners. They sell their business. They retire as, you know, corporate executives, physicians, whatever, or whether you're, you know, you're a lineman and you have enough to go ahead and retire. And the funniest thing that always used to be, we, we used to talk about was what are you going to do in retirement? Right. And so I like how you're positioning all of this because it is the still, it's still the same existential crisis. You can only play so much golf. You can only garden so much. You can only play so much pickleball and you can only go fishing so many times. Right. And so at some point you're going to be like, what am I doing with my life? And at some of the ages that you and I work with people through Jerome, it's challenging for them to ask themselves that question. How do they even begin wrapping their brain around what's next? Well, I think the first thing is to consider the possibility that they can do something else, right? You do something for 15 to 30 years and you believe that is who you are. I was talking to somebody who's worth a little bit over a hundred million dollars, uh, two nights ago. And he said, yeah, this is how I make my living. Or this is, yeah, I think he said, this is how I make my living. I said, no, this isn't how you make your living. Uh, it's how you might earn money, but it's not how you make your living. And so one, I think it's one detaching or decoupling your identity from the things that you've been doing. Now, this one gets really entangled. I, I guess we get entangled in this, right? You, you think about your identity b- being the person that does the thing. And I think anybody who has a brand, they want to be known as the person who does a thing. But that's to the outside world. I don't know that has to be for you internally. Then you think about your relationships. You do the thing with people, right? And these people are a big part of your life, especially if you've got a meaningful staff. And so you spend probably spend more time with those folks than you do with the, with the people at home. And that in and of itself is a, a big paradigm shift because you, you're changing your identity. You're changing the people that you spend the time with the most. And then you go in and it's like, oh, the actual things that I do, the work goes away as well. And so this wraps really well into the six centers of doubt. And so when you're thinking through those things in the next process, you want to nourish, right? You want to reaffirm. You want to know that even if you're not doing that, you're worthy. Even if you're not achieving or accomplishing in the way that you're used to, you're still valuable. You're still desired by the people that are in your world to your presence is desired. And so many people are convinced, and it's one of the, it's the shadow characteristics of the apex performers, that if they don't achieve, that they don't deserve love. And I'm not saying that you're going to move from a life of achievement. I'm just saying you may be achieving in a different way. 
And many of us don't want to go achieve in another way because there's a steep learning curve. It might be difficult and we don't know if we're going to be good at it. And this also happens when you go to a new level, right? It, when I was an all-conference high school football player and then I go to a Division One school and play, everybody was all-conference and many people were all-state. So it gets a reset. And not to mention, there's a big difference between an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old. And some of the guys were 24, 25 because they did military or something before they came. And so this thought process of you becoming a new person and the things that you've done in the past not being fully defining of who you are allows you to consider some new options and some opportunities and give yourself some grace as you're learning how to do the new things. Do you think that the, this feeling of, uh, and I'm going to use some rough words here for the audience, the feeling of worthlessness, the feeling of emptiness, the feeling of loss is a necessary component to transition into what's next? I think it's necessary, but I think you can stay there too long and end up in a space of suffering, right? I think pain is part of the process. Suffering doesn't have to be. And our goal with the next process is to move people from that place of suffering if they ended up there before we could help them make their transition plan or to help people lessen the dip, because there will be a dip. You love it. It's almost, for most founders, it's like a kid, right? You think about the time it takes to get a kid independent and get them moved on to, you know, being productive members of society. Well, your business ends up requiring probably more time is from an investment standpoint of parenting it, right? And then the duration that you actually have to make those investments is probably similar, if not longer. And so you're, you are going to experience some loss, even if you do want out because you're frustrated with whatever is going on in the business. But we also like to see people who exit prior to that being done phase that a lot of people have, because usually when things are going well, the valuation is going to be better and a better valuation leads to more money in your pocket. So um, we'd like for people to be able to do it that way. But here's the thing, Matt. That I don't think most people get uh, every business, well, every relationship, we'll just go generic on relationship. Every relationship ends at some point. Most of the time is by choice, but there are times when it's not our choice. Should we think about losing a loved one? Well, businesses are a, the same thing. We have a relationship with our business. Now, when it ends, it could be because we expire, but it could be because the business ends. It could be because you sell it. It could be because you want to leave it to kids. I mean, there's so many different options on the way that your relationship with your business ends. But I don't think most people plan for it. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, if you have an estate plan, but you don't have a plan for transitioning your business, you're probably being irresponsible with your kid, right? If that business is your kid, you spent 15 to 25 years on it, and you don't want to think about an exit plan for that business. You are not being a great steward of the thing that you are, have been left in the care of. Yeah. Part of the nourish component of next is being caught, but also being receptive to having somebody like you, Jerome, 
grab you and help move you through this because there really are three sections of nourish. Let's talk about those three sections. And then I want to talk about this, the next thing, because pivoting from nourish to evaluate is, it's, it's a fluid thing, but it's a big consciousness shift. So would you mind going through the three aspects of nourish real quick? Yeah. So the first one is the exit paradox. The second is life after the applause. And the third is the roller coaster of change. And so you've heard us talk about the founder's exit paradox, probably ad nauseum. The whole show is really about that at this mm -hmm. point. Here's the thing, right? The exit paradox is really about all of the feelings that you have when you are detaching from the entity that you created. And a lot of people say, oh, well, I'll have the money. I don't think I'm going to have any problems figuring out how to navigate or negotiate those feelings. And I can assure you one thing, you will. <laughs> In fact, having the freedom, the money, having the freedom of time is the greatest way for you to find out what your problems really are. The things that you've been ignoring because you've had them, other things to fill the space become mountains when in the past you might have thought they were molehills. And so you're going to experience the founder's exit paradox. And, you know, this is the pain that Matt and I have been talking about. And the goal is not to stay in the paradox and begin to suffer. The goal is to move through the paradox. And we've created a really amazing white paper that dives deep on this. And, you know, we call it beyond the exit. And we give you coping uh, techniques and strategies to help you navigate your post-exit world. With the life after the applause, here's the thing, man. I see so many what I believe were probably athletes. It's the athlete's mentality where, you know, you're doing the thing, the crowd is cheering, and that could be the cash register ringing. That can be mm. people sending thank you notes for the things that have been accomplished. That can be the employees being grateful and demonstrating their gratitude. There's so many different ways that we get affirmed when we are in the chair and we have the title. But when we step out of the chair, when you take that jersey off for the last time, even if they retire it, there's going to be a deafening silence. And you're going to wonder what to do with that. And this is why nourish is so important, because you've got to understand that there's so much more to you than the game that you were playing. There's so much more capability. There's so much more ability. And if you aren't willing to really dig in and understand what those things are in the quiet, right? Because you, you can drown out the quiet. You can drown out the opportunity to actually reflect and see those things. You'll miss a grand opportunity. And it is one of the best, biggest opportunities that I've ever seen presented to people who've had success because, again, you can numb a lot of the things out there with the money and the noise from the applaud of the crowd. And then if we dive into the third one, which is the roller coaster of change, well, we talked about the six centers of doubt, and I called out the first three, self-image, relationship, and work. Well, there's the other three, which are going to probably swing more than the first three because, well, they're at a higher order. And, you know, if you move a building, <laughs> the higher up it goes, there, there's just bigger impact. And so you got the foundation wobbling all over the place. And now we're going to add to the top. You look at your health and you're like, did I give it all up in order to build this business and get the prosperity? 
then you look at the check and you're allocating resources, maybe with the extra zero or two more than what you're used to. That can get uncomfortable really quickly. There's the scarcity mindset of, oh, I don't, I want to make sure I'm never poor again or back to the level I was before this. And there's also, I can't run out of money because this is all I got because I cut off my cash flow. But then there's the other measures of prosperity, like time. Where do you actually allocate the time? And I was talking to a guy uh, earlier this week, and he was telling me, man, I like to tell people when they exit that they're going to be busier on the backside of their exit than they were when they had a company. And I said, I don't know if most people are that busy on the backside of their exit unless they had a post-exit plan and they knew what they were moving into. And then this is the one that really digs, Matt. And I it ties back into what I believe to be this athlete mentality. And it is the significance piece. People start getting really concerned about their legacy. Yeah, they got out of the business. Yeah, they made some money. But did they actually make a difference? Did they actually make a difference? And, you know, I, less than a month ago, got the opportunity to carry a casket for a woman that was the mother of one of my best friends in the world. And it was, I was in awe with the people who showed up to the event and how quickly they were able to move through the program. It was a funeral that was done in less than an hour, including dropping the body into the grave. And I was like, man, nobody is here fighting to carry the casket. And I know there's some people who are uncomfortable with the thought of passing away and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, who's going to show up for you when you can't show up for yourself? And how are you living a life that creates that space? When I had dinner with Damon John a few weeks ago, he talked to me about building your umbrella when you don't need it. And he was talking about the opportunity to keep great relationships and create relationships with no intention of asking for anything, but you never know when you might need to make the phone call and just fostering goodwill all over the place. Well, what if we did that and then we had so many people that felt like we had such a big impact on their world that they wanted to carry us to our final resting place? And that, for me, I think is the epitome of having a huge legacy. And some people may say, ah, it's not a big deal. We'll figure it out or whoever's there will do it. But I mean, think about that, man. So many people there, maybe they just want to carry it a little way. Maybe they just want to switch out. Maybe they want six instead of, or eight instead of six. I don't know what the answer is for you, but I suspect that you've never actually considered it. And what if it was an honor for somebody to be able to have that opportunity? How would you have to live in order to create that? I really want to give a pause there so that everybody has a chance to just absorb what you just said there, because that is a fundamental core question, right? You said a couple other things that I want to get into, and you've already seamlessly moved in to evaluate. But number one, you're navigating all of these new emotions. We have to give ourselves the space. You said grace. 
you know, in order to accept and understand that what we're doing is fundamentally different. Number two, you know, people say I'm, I'm so much busier in retirement than I ever thought I would be, but they're not doing anything, right? They're just filling their time because they need to fill that time. But you said something else, and this is number two, life after the applause, which I think really rolls really well into evaluate. It is okay to seek the applause. You have been an applause seeker. That's why you're so damn successful, right? So it is okay. And, and when you're going through this next process, I want people to keep that in mind because there are other ways through the evaluation component of next that allow you to see where you can continue to seek the applause that you desperately need and your core, right? In order to feel like you're really moving on. So let's go to evaluate. Yeah, man. So the E in next is evaluate. And there's three phases here beyond self, a vision for the future and cultivating resilience and embracing change. So <laughs> beyond self, I think we can get really selfish really quickly. You get the money and you're just like, oh, well, I don't want anybody to know I have the money because I don't want them to ask me for anything mm -hmm. as an example, if you heard that. And I've always struggled with that. And people who are wealthier than me give me a hard time. They're like, Jerome, we don't need to signal our wealth. We have it. And they said, yeah, but there's a lot of people out there trying to figure out how to get wealth. And I suspect, and this one person in particular, I said, I suspect that your net worth is greater than some of our favorite educators. And he looked up the person that we were speaking about and he said, yeah, I got him beat. And he said, but they're running to him instead of running to you asking to learn how to do the thing. Now, for me, I think it's easy for somebody who's done the thing to teach other people how to do the thing. I don't think you necessarily had to do the thing in order to show people how to do the thing, but I think it's easier for somebody to speak from experience on how they actually did the thing. And so I believe it's extremely important for folks to begin thinking about life beyond themselves. And when I say themselves, I'm talking about the four walls. A lot of people say, oh, it's just me and my family. That's all I need to worry about. But I don't believe that's true leadership. And people may be upset with me for saying that. But I believe that leadership stretches into the community and the broader community, the state, the world, if you have that type of reach. And no, everybody doesn't have to have a massive audience. But I think it's important for you to reach your audience. And your audience, when you built your enterprise, was one thing. Your audience on the backside of that enterprise is something very different. And I know that you were placed here to do something really special for a group of people. And I don't think that was tied into the thing that you did to earn your wealth. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, AKA the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Wanna find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. So projection, right? Taking everything that we've set up until this point, realizing that you have to think beyond yourself 
when you talk about the red pill experience, right, which you and I, that's how you and I really connected as human beings. There is risk, but more importantly, there is so many options, so much opportunity, especially when you get that big check. How do you, in this evaluate process, Jerome, take people through the process of creating this new vision? Because what they had previously was rote and clear, and now we're asking them to literally look out into the universe and say, what now? How do you help people navigate that? Yeah. So what's cool about the next framework is we have a two, two hour process called the next intensive. And in that I interview the person for two hours and I get a comprehensive set of data on how they got to the point where they are right now. And the point where they are right now is important because if you think about your GPS system, it needs to know where you are in order to route you to where you want to go. Then we take that information, we process it, and then we come back and we deliver a six to eight page report back to the person over the course of another two hours. And their only responsibility during those two hours is to argue with us about what we got wrong in the report. It's one simple responsibility. And if we got it wrong, we'll change it. But Matt, we've done this more than a few times. Mm-hmm. And nobody's been able to convince us that we got something wrong at this point. They may have started early in the thing thinking that they got something, but by the end of the report, they're like, no, that was absolutely accurate. And mm-hmm. so it's our mission to help people figure out one, where they are. I, I liken it to being in a jar, right? Everybody's got this stuff going on for the holidays or cooking. Well, imagine if you were in one of those jars that you open up and you were trying to read the label. Kind of hard. Well, you are the product, right? You're in the jar. And so having an objective third party come in and read the label to you does a lot of things. One, it gives you clarity on your experiences. And you may think about them in a way that you never thought about them before because of the way they're presented by the third party evaluator. And then what we do, and it's a bold claim, but we've been pretty successful at it. We give the person a one sentence statement on what we believe the things being experiences, trainings that have happened up to this point have prepared them to do. And then on top of that, we give them a gap analysis on what they have from a resource standpoint, what they need from a resource standpoint to achieve that. And then we go a step further and let them know what the rewards will be for them achieving that so that they can get clarity on what the legacy they would leave if they actually accomplish the goal. This in and of itself, we think is the magic of the next intensive, because even if we aren't perfectly correct on what they should be doing, because there's a lot of nuance in the execution of the plan, we will get them directionally correct. And at the end of the day, if I'm leaving from North Carolina, I'm driving to California, I can go east. It's going to take a whole lot longer than if I go west. And I'm going to need different modes of transportation. I'm going to need boats. I might need bikes. I could use a plane if I go east. If I go west, I can probably get there on a car or a bike if I really want to. And that, for me, is magic. Just knowing where I'm going, the direction I'm going. As we get closer, well, I might be going to Sacramento. I might be going to L.A. I might need to make some adjustments there. But I don't need to know that in North Carolina. I just need to start heading west. And that, I think, is the magic of 
next? Because when you are someone who doesn't know what to do, directionless, you don't know where to go and you just kind of meander and wander. But moving in a direction actually gets you clarity. And that clarity will give you more intention. And then that intention, my hope, is gives you more intensity so that you actually get to a place where you have escape velocity and can create something meaningful and real. Yeah. So the last part of this is, again, you just lead into perfectly, right? So, so now that we know that we're heading west, one of the things that people really have to understand through this next process is there is going to be course corrections, which actually even brings us right into explore. So, so as we're navigating through evaluate, which is cultivating resilience and embracing the change, right, which is what you just led up to, then it is exploring new paths. So let's continue with the heading west analogy that you have here. How do you help people who are generally, because generally people are wildly resistant to change, how do you through the process get them more comfortable with change so that they can move into the phase three, which is explore? Yeah, so that part is really interesting. We we talked a lot about the feeling of being lost, right? And the uncertainty with being on the outside. And I think that's why people are uncomfortable with the change because they don't know what it's going to be. They have the uncertainty, they feel lost. But what if we could give them a roadmap? What if we told them, hey, here's what's missing. So you that's another certain thing that's missing. I've got to solve that problem. Okay, what if we told them, hey, you need to watch out for this. For instance, we had a guy who had just sold his business. He was in the honeymoon phase. He, was, he sold his business. He had a two-year like earnout thing, but there was no money tied to it. So he was collecting a salary to run the company that he built and sold. And he texted me and he said, hey, man, I just turned in my resignation. I only gave him 30 days instead of the 90 that was in the contract. And I said, oh, I said, why'd you do that? He said, well, it wasn't what they told me it was going to be. The job isn't what I was, thought it was going to be. I said, oh, well, that's normal. And so what are you going to do next? And he said, I don't know. And I said, okay, well, here's the things you're going to experience. Your friends are going to be going. You don't want to have the job. You don't have the routine associated with the work anymore. So you better get ready for it. Now, a few weeks prior to that, I told him when he first told me that he sold his business, that it was likely that he was going to have the feelings of wanting to quit. I also told him that it was likely that he was just riding the high of having the check still. And there was going to come a point where he was going to experience some stuff that was uncomfortable and it was okay. It was to be expected. And here is our white paper that you can use to begin working through those things. If you want to work through them on your own. So, with all that said, man, I, I think it's about helping people have some predictability on what's happening yeah. and what's going to happen. And if we can lay that out for them, they know what to expect. They gain more confidence and then they can begin to predict and create in that space because that's the other part of it. When you're an entrepreneur, you're a founder, more often than not, you're a creator. And so if you get to a place where you don't know what to create, it gets really uncomfortable. And I think we can help give people direction on where to start, go next. And then as they're moving down that path, they get more and more, um, I, I wanted to say confident, but I don't think confident is the right word. And I'm gonna go with certain, even though I, I, oh. I don't like using certain, they get more certain about what is 
happening and why it's happening? Clarity. I think they get more clarity. Right. Clarity because, yeah, because I, I absolutely 100 percent agree with you. I, I don't think that they get the level of certainty, but they're starting to. And that's the whole idea of this evaluate component of next is really embracing this vision, understanding that there are going to be course corrections and adjustments. And the interesting thing about all of this, Jerome, is that you and I have both built businesses. Right. And what we started with and what we ended with, we're not necessarily the same thing. And then all of a sudden you get this resistance to the change where all they've been doing for the last 15, 20 years is that same level of change. They just had the support structure to navigate the change. And that's what the power is of engaging you, is you now become some of that support structure, identify the support structures that need to be in place so that they can go ahead and really get into Explore. So let's dive into Explore. Yeah, and this is the part where I think people sometimes need permission. when someone says I am who I am, right? It's just me kind of deal with it as we, <laughs> especially for the baby boomers who own the majority of business and the people going through this because of a age thing more than anything else. But I mean, Gen X is getting to the age where they're kind of set in their ways as well. Um, you need permission to begin to explore because people expect you to be away. And so the opportunity to explore the dreams that may have been put on the shelf because you were so focused on building the thing, but you might need to pop the top and pour some stuff out and, and explore and investigate. Is this something that still tickled your fancy? And then there's also opportunity to move into the future and say, well, what are there, what other passions or interests do I have after being exposed to all the things that I've been exposed to? You know, when I left corporate America, my big thing was popping the top one, building a real estate portfolio because I decided in college that's what I wanted to do. And then I was, but I never had like a coach for academic performance or professional performance. It was always sports. But during my career, I got exposed to business performance coaching. And that became something that I was addicted to, to be honest with you, I was intrigued by it. And so when I began exploring that, after I began or built the real estate portfolio, it became really clear to me that truly was my passion. And so I was able to move through both of those phases, both going into the old and bringing out the new things that I learned on my journey in business. As of that personal experience, and because of what you have now helped hundreds of other people go through that permission is the key, right? Being able to give yourself that permission, that grace, which really is something that a lot of people through the beginning of the process don't really realize that they, they have to do, which is why you have built something that is sequential, something that has a path, something that has a plan. Now, the last piece here, which is transcend, yeah. is we could spend an entire podcast just talking about the transcendence component of all of this. And in fact, my friend, we might want to do that because it just might be fun. But let's, before we dive into this like crazy level of depth, let's talk about what the T here is, which is transcend in the next system. Yeah. So when you're transcending, you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm -hmm. and this isn't on there, believe it or not, right? Uh, many people are trying to self-actualize and they think that is the epitome, but transcendence is the next level. And it, if you think about chakras or any of the other things, it's out of this world. And so 
did you really build a life of significance when you were building your business? Some people would say, oh, well, you know, I made millions of dollars or I exited and I got my eight figures or my nine figures in some cases. Okay. But did it matter? Because most of the people who come to me, Matt, they're asking three questions. What was it all for? Is this really it? And what now? And if you're asking those questions, then you're probably questioning whether or not what you did mattered or if it was significant. And so in this phase, we really get honed in on what building a life of significance is. This is about legacy. This is about impact that's going to happen when you're no longer breathing. And I don't think as many people as should are thinking about that. Now, there are the naysayers out there who say, hey, in three generations, I won't matter. But I will tell you, when I go on the University of Richmond's campus and I see Robins all over it, I have no idea who the Robins are, but I know that they must have made a whole lot of money and made big donations to a university because I don't believe that they were on the faculty or staff. When I walk on the campus of North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University and I see the names on the buildings, I know that Webb Hall was somebody who gave some money. I know unless they were a chancellor or a dean that they did not get their name on a building because of their contribution in the community somewhere. They made a difference in a big way. And I don't believe that you want to exit this planet and only be able to say I impacted maybe my spouse and my kids and that was it. I think we want to be known on a great, and I'm not saying we got to be famous, but I think my affirmation probably resonates with a lot of people. And it goes something along the lines of everyone that I come in contact with is better because of our encounter. Everybody I come in contact with is better because of our encounter. Well, if I'm no longer here, that kind of is limiting. But, you know, when the student at North Carolina A&T that gets the engineering scholarship every year and will get the engineering scholarship every year for as long as the school's in existence, they're going to know my family's name as a result of that. Right. Now, will they know who I was and why I did or how I did it? I don't know that part's important, but I do think it's important that our name shows up somewhere. And if you're the one, right, most NEOs, right, newly exited operators are the one that wanted to change their family tree. It's not just about creating wealth. And you think about the Rockefellers, you think about some of the other tycoons of um, the industrial era, you still know their names. You hear Vanderbilt, you hear these folks. You think, oh, their family stands for something. Somebody in their family made a difference. I, I think it should be you too. And as we wrap up Transcend, you do not have to do this on your own. In Jerome, I love, and I kind of want to put a wrapper around this today, because what made you successful previously is probably hire really high qualified people who could do things that you couldn't do, right? Uh, and better than you could probably ever do them, right? As you're moving into this transcendence and you're moving to this next phase of your life, please understand that what got you to where you were before, some of those same, same components are what's going to get you to this next level of transcendence. And that's definitely something that your system takes into account 
to make sure that they're surrounding themselves with people in order to help continue this transcendence process, correct? 100%. Like the last bullet in transcendence is building a supportive community. And the goal here is to make sure that you have the support you need. I don't think that people are created to be an island. But again, if we go back to the first three levels of the centers of doubt, you will see that relationships is there. And when you give up the relationships with the people you spend the most time with, Arthur Brooks calls them your deal friends. Uh, you find out really quickly how few friends, real friends you have. And so if we can create a space that's inclusive and um, accepting and tolerant, I think we can help people work through the things that they're struggling with that they don't feel comfortable talking to normal people about. Yeah. So as we continue to explore this and just telling the audience that this is something that Jerome and I are going to spend time with me asking Jerome more questions, not just about this next process, but really about all of the processes that he takes his clients through. If you are getting close to a large exit, you are going to have M&A people all over the place and everybody's going to be vying for that percentage of the close of the business, right? But what we have found, what Jerome and I have found, because we've done ex exhaustive research, not just from a literature perspective, but from a support perspective, that there isn't really anybody out there doing what Jerome is doing. And right before that check, whether it's six months, nine months, 12 months before that deal is closed, this is when you need to engage Jerome and his team in order to make it so that you are caught, right, in that whole nurture component. And you have to give yourself the grace to be nurtured, right? And then you have to go through the evaluative process. What are you going to do now? Then you're going to have to do the exploration, the course corrections, the minor tweaks here and there or even sometimes major tweaks in order to make it so that as the heading west analogy we use is actually you're going to be heading west. And then last but not least, what does significance truly look like to you? Jerome, I was just on with a friend of mine earlier today who's in um, Georgia with his, with his daughter and his new grandchild. And I said, Steve, is, it, is being grandfather everything that you would think? And he's like, that level of legacy that level of understanding that my line is going to continue is something I could never expect. And I want to kind of package transcendence in that manner. You had said, you know, hey, you know, third, three, four generations might not remember who you are. But if you set things in place with that long-term vision, which you've never had, like you and I are running businesses, dude. What are we doing this quarter, right? What are our annual goals? Yeah, yeah. Part of this next process is now, what does the hundred years look like? When is, have you ever thought about that? It's scary, but when you have a guide like Jerome, you can help. So Jerome, if somebody wants to know more about how they can engage in this next intensive, where should they go and what should they do? Yeah, they should go over to theexitparadox.com forward slash next. And you can find out more about what we've got going on and how you can get into an intensive. Listen, this isn't a want, this is a need. There have just been stories upon stories of so many people who have gotten the big check and, and then really their lives just crumble. We're not trying to convince you from a fear perspective. We're trying to convince you from an experience perspective. This is what happens. We know this, this is what happens. And for some reason, nobody wants to address these deep philosophical issues. And in my journey as a coach, uh, I found Jerome. 
I saw what he had built and I just thought that it was so fresh. It was so wonderful. And it was something that was so needed that, you know, I wanted to go ahead and kind of hitch my wagon to what was going on here because I truly think that this is the next phase. So for everybody here at Jerome's company, the podcast, all of you watchers and listeners out there, this is Matt Hallard, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real. <laughs>